You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. The church received, if you're on our email list, the church received a personal letter from myself and my wife. And so I think the easiest summary just for all friends that are here or guests or first timers that is uh, sort of affecting my uh, pastoral uh, schedule and ministry is that our 24-year-old son had a very serious uh, mental health crisis. And so uh, he's uh, in a place trying to get some help, and we're trying to help him through that. And mom and dad have all kinds of questions about, Lord, how you want to help us through this season and time. And anyway, we're just together with you, trusting the Lord on that journey. And so from the bottom of our heart, I know my wife and I want to thank the church. Just, I mean, you guys have been over the top incredible from the very moment that you heard our need. Uh, and my goal today is to not cry. <laughs> so I'm just really focused. In fact, they're practicing the mirror a couple of times. But because if I, if I do, the floodgates are going to come. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much in Jesus' name to uh, our friends and all of you in so many different ways. And so uh, the, the note is just related to uh, the letter that I sent out, just related a bit towards uh, in the next four to six weeks, we just have some back and forth that we are uncertain of related to how to help uh, this young man. And so uh, we wanted everyone to know. So thank you for having our back and loving us through this and praying it through us. And uh, we love you guys very, very much. And uh, we're just all on a journey of road together. Amen. So Matthew's gospel. So with that, we're going to talk about Christmas, okay? So kind of a little bit of a pivot to the Christmas story. And I love Christmas. And I, I was so sad to hear that our spectacular was, uh, was rained out. I pray that God will somehow let us bring that back. Or uh, I don't know, maybe we let Miguel and Sophia come and sing a song for us in a couple of days or a week or something. But anyway, just uh, I love Christmas. And you should love Christmas. And uh, Christmas this is our time. You know, this is our time. So culture has made it things that it's not supposed to be, and I'm not going to spend much time criticizing as much as say that Christmas is our time. And we give gifts because of what God has given to us. And uh, we have acts of service and generosity in our community because of uh, the tremendous work of servitude that God has given to us. And this, this belongs to Christ. It's called Christ must, more of Christ. <laughs> so this is our time. And so I pray that that will be reflected in your families, in your homes, through many wonderful habits. And so uh, with that, go to Matthew chapter 1, and I will be uh, in verse 18, where the Christmas story says this, says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Again, I'm in Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 18. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this, verse 22, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to her son, and he called his name Jesus. 
So Lord Jesus, come now and, and enter by the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of your word that we might know you and celebrate your coming. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. amen. I had a really wonderful uh, moment on Instagram, which is rare for me, but just in light of uh, being back and forth as a family, I was on IG, and so uh, there was a basketball coach, well-known basketball coach, and I guess the British royal family was in town, neighborhood to where he was playing, and so, so they asked him about this, hey, what does it feel like to you to have the royal family nearby? And he looked at the reporters, and I guess this reporter didn't know this brother was sold out for Jesus. And so he says, he says are you talking about uh, Jesus, Mary, Joseph? <laughs> and, she, and the reporter didn't get it. Says, no, 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 like, the, you know, the, you know, the, you know not the, the royal family, like, you know, like the royal family, like the, like, you know, the, like the British, like it's, it's down the street from you, bro. It's a big deal. And just deadpan straight, he says, oh, no, there's only one royal family. And that's Jesus married Joseph. Like they're right on, brother. And so this is a really fun moment in terms of, uh, in terms of celebrating Christmas. One thing that this story talks about in terms of our royal family. Several things I want to, I want to bring out and not belabor, but I want to, I want to get there, is that, is that these two people were on an incredible road to happiness. And you would do yourself well to learn from uh, Joseph and Mary about their happiness. And Joseph, as man, is chosen by God to raise God up and teach him what a man is like. And the Bible describes him here, which you find here in the text, which says there, and being a just man. That's verse 19. And if you want to know what a just man looks like, he is so thick in his relationship with God. He is so lined up with God that God chooses him to raise God and, and Christ in human flesh. Absolutely incredible. But these two are on a road to happiness. Now, listen, we have to kind of understand the road to happiness. So do I need that? Okay. That's not a problem. You guys couldn't hear me, could you? Was it doing something weird? Yeah, I was doing something weird. Okay, is this because I get to sing now? I do, I get to sing, right? I've always wanted that where you have the arm out and you're kind of going like this, right? So that's the 70s generation, all right. Okay, we'll bring it back around. Let's talk about happiness. So, yeah, related to happiness. So these two are going to get married. That's a happy moment. They're on the road to happiness. And you and I would do well to learn from their experience on how to stay on this road of happiness, which I'll explain more in a moment. But here's what you have to understand. Most of the Western world is just so off in terms of what it means to be happy, in terms of what the scriptures talk about what it means to be happy. We want it to be this way, and it's not that way. We want it to be a station, like a train station. So you, you get on the train in Los Angeles, and you come up the coast, which is beautiful, and you can get off in Santa Barbara, and you can get off in San Luis Obispo, and the train stops, and you get off, and so you're at a station. And so we want it that. We want it that way. We want to know that there's a, there's a train station called happiness. It's not that. It's a lie. The road is the happiness. 
The road of God is the happiness. And these two people, Mary and Joseph, they're on this road. And so Jesus, when he would teach later, he'd say there's two roads. And so help me out, church. Say the number two. Say two. So there's two roads. But Jesus is going to say, be on only one. And I hope you're familiar with this teaching. He says there's a narrow road and a wide road, and there's consequences to each. The narrow road is destruction on death. The wide road is narrow. And so you want to be on that narrow road. And Mary and Joseph were on that narrow road. And you see it in the consequences here, or rather how they respond to these consequences, because Joseph is likely away. It's an ag culture, and so he's trying to get money. Uh, he's just like any other young couple, right? You want to get married, and so you need a place to stay. And if you want to party, you got to pay the bills. And you have responsibilities of life, and so you want to get a job. You want to have a career. In Judaism, he would have to prove that a number of different ways. And so he's likely away in an ag setting with animals making money so he can come back and be with Mary, his bride. And so he's physically been gone for a while, and now she's pregnant as a teenage girl. And she's got a wild story. I haven't been with a man. I'm still a virgin. It's of God. Now, you have to enter into Joseph's world and realize how much his feelings would have been hurt at that moment. I mean, it's bad enough, Mary, that you're pregnant, but seriously, you can't be straight with me? You're going to, like, pull some, you know, God card? Uh, you're going to enter into some delusion that somehow this is divine? You're going to talk to me that way? I mean, could you at least tell me who it is? Oh, okay, all right. Well, then, so he resolves then to be a just man, which is actually to, to, get, to, to divorce himself of that relationship quietly. In Jewish culture of that day, very different than now, but when you get engaged, it's like you're being married, but you've not consummated the relationship. And so that's why in the text, the word is to be divorced. He is thinking, he is thinking about, I'm going to get out of this quietly. Now, here, here is a principle from Joseph related to happiness and this narrow road. Remember the narrow road, two roads, yes? One road you want to be on, one road you don't. Okay, here's a principle on the narrow road. Don't make bad things worse. We do that, though, don't we? Something, we don't understand it, something's bad, and we make it worse. So Joseph could have gone back to his family and said all the wrong things. And these are two families in an ancient Jewish culture, and they could have started warring against one another. And he could have, he could have actually shamed Mary to such a degree where the Jews would have actually come out and threatened her family or threatened to stone her. Tell us who this guy is. Oh, you won't? Okay, well, then you've, you've, been, you've been whoring yourself a certain way. Now we're actually going to stone you. We're going to take your life. He could have done that. He could have done all kinds of things like that. He's not going to make something bad worse. He's going to stay in his lane. He's going to think about how to be godly through this. He's going to think about how to be a peacemaker through all of this. And he actually loves Mary. And so on this narrow road, God comes to him and tells him the truth. But what's fascinating about truth, friends, is that we have to actually accept it. And so, so the Lord comes and tells him the truth, but he still has to accept it. How often has God been coming to you and telling you the truth and you wrestle with it? Or maybe you don't accept it. And so Joseph here, it's incredible. It's an incredible story. 
He, he actually gets a vision and a dream from God. He knows it's of the Lord. And now at, on that narrow road, there's going to be serious consequences because neither family is going to like them now. Now they're going to think that he had sex with her out of wedlock. You're going to think all kinds of weird things about this couple, and they really don't want it to have anything to do with them. And so now they're going to kind of shun them and push them aside and push them away. And he's going to do that because he's on that narrow road with God. And because he's on that narrow road with God, because he's there, he is going to be happy. And he's going to experience waves and waves of happiness. And he's going to see Christ, the Savior, is born. And so think about it, if he didn't do that, he'd miss it. And I hate missing out. And I'm sure you're like that. I mean, socially, we don't like to miss things. I mean, I'm sure in your peer group, somebody maybe is having a holiday party or, or having, having some sort of social get-together, and you weren't invited. I'm sure it's never happened to you. <laughs> your response is, well, why didn't you call me? I mean, Lord Jesus, we have all the communication devices here. Why didn't you text me, call me, send me an email, or, you know, dare we say, come by the house and make sure I went with you? Oh, sorry. Sorry, you weren't, you weren't invited. I didn't know that, right? And so we hate missing out. Joseph could have missed out, and yet he is a just man. And he doesn't miss out. He begins to see God do great things. Let's talk more about this narrow road, the road to happiness. So on this road to happiness, what Christians really don't understand is it's very much related to a principle that you find in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and chapter 6, verse 10, where the Apostle Paul is going to mention that we can actually have pain in our lives, we can actually have sufferings in our lives, and yet be rejoicing. You know, that, that can be part of the Christian life, that you can actually be sad, and you can have difficulties, and you can have hardship, yet those things are still true, and God will actually give you divine ability to still be happy. That's that narrow road. And people all kinds of false teaching on that matter, and yet, and yet that's true. We can have these, these, these sufferings, and we can be rejoicing, as Paul outlines. And so Joseph and Mary definitely have this. And it'll go back, I'll talk about this more on the 24th, but as Jesus is born, of course he's going to be born. He's not going to be born in the most charming of places. He's not going to be born in the most charming of circumstances. It's a manger, which means a place where animals were once kept, and, uh, and, and he's going to actually be more in a feeding trough that was probably sanitized a little bit or water was cleaned it up and there was a couple blankets and some straw and that's where he is as God. And that is because that family is somewhat shunned likely from many others that they know. And so this narrow road is a road of happiness. It's a road of unpleasant incredible blessing. But what you see from Mary and Joseph is obedience. So all of us, when we think about this Christmas story, you have to ask yourself, what do you know? Like you think about this Christmas story, you have to think about what do you know? The Bible uses a word in the original language called epigonosco, which is a, it's just a word called knowledge or know. And so epi means to come upon in the original language. Gnosko means uh, to actually know. It's the idea that I don't believe something, I know it. I don't just believe it, I know it to be true. Epigonosco is an idea that the knowledge that I have of it goes deep. It's not surface. It's not on the surface level. That root, that root, that root goes deep. 
And so Mary and Joseph are on that narrow road with that epigonosco, that, that root system that's going deep and deep with the Lord, and that's where their obedience is, and that's what they know. What do you know? So related to my family circumstances, just for a moment, by way of personal testimony, God has not been distant from my wife and I. Not at all. In fact, in fact, we talk about walking with God, and, and, and it's like I'm not walking with God. He is literally walking me down this dark valley. That's how quickly he's embraced, how tightly he's embraced. So many times in our lives we're crying out to God, God, could you please come close? Could you please be near? Could you please talk to me? I don't even have to utter those things because he's so thick and deep in my presence all the time taking me where I need to go. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Does it hurt in terms of me testifying of our personal circumstances? Listen, I'm not kidding. I'm crying every day. God is right there. And so, so here's what I know. Here's what I know. I don't know, by personal testimony, everything that's going to happen to my son. I don't know that. Here's what I know. I know Job chapter 19, verse 25, when Job says, this is what I know in my difficulties. I know that my Redeemer lives. Amen. And the second part of that verse... The second part of that verse is that, so he will, I will see him stand on the earth. Now, what's interesting about that phrase, I will see him stand, is that this is what I know. I know my Redeemer will live because he's standing with me this day. So I will see him stand on that day. So I know my Redeemer lives. I don't know what will happen with people. I actually don't know what's going to happen with you. It's really very interesting when you have in a, a place where you're in this deep and dark valley and you realize how little you control and what little you know and how big your God is. And so I know my Redeemer lives and I know that he's actually standing with my family right now. I know that he's got us. Like there's no, there's not even a doubt about that. There's not a moment of Satan going, gosh, God, I just, you know, can you help me to believe more? Could you help me to believe more? Could you help me to believe more? No, it's, it's this overwhelming divine presence. It's that epigonosco, this knowledge that's not belief, but it runs so deep and so wide, and it's incredible. Mary and Joseph, they had that. They had this incredible ability through many trainings of obedience on this narrow road. And they knew exactly, they knew exactly where the Lord was going to take them and they were willing to go. We haven't uh, even outlined here what's called Mary's uh, testimony in Luke's gospel, uh, where she actually has the Magnificat is what it's called. And she has this incredible praise of what God has done. But when the angel's talking to her early, she asks a question, but it's not a question of doubt. It's a question of clarification. And he clarifies things and says, so you're going to be with that child. Are you ready? And she says, do it under your servant. What do you, God, my Savior, choose to do to me? I say yes to right now. Not that I got to go pray about it. Not that I got to go meditate upon it. Not that I got to go ask social media about it. I don't need to talk to anybody because you're talking to me through the word of God. I say yes right now immediately to you, my Savior. And that is their spiritual secret, their incredible power, the incredible truth that we would see within their lives. 
How about you? How about you? It's Christmas. These people are incredible. Mary and Joseph are so profound in their faith. I love Joseph being a just man. I love, I love that he's just standing with the Lord. Uh, we don't know a lot about him after this. We really don't. But we see that God has chosen him and he says yes. And we see that Mary has chosen him and we say yes. When you look at the rest of the Bible story of this, you also see Joseph taking care of his wife very well. I mean, he is focused as a man. He is determined as a man, disciplined as a man, submission to Jesus Christ as a man. A lot of phrases you can have for this, but this is actually called the Jesus-centered life. There's two roads, that narrow road, that wide road. That narrow road is a Jesus-centered life. The wide road is going to get you destruction and death. That narrow road is actually going to give you divine visitation in the most supernatural ways. And so I want to ask my prayer team, I haven't been here for a while, so, but I want to ask my prayer team to come back up because we're going to pray together, church. We're going to celebrate Christmas. We're going to celebrate Jesus, but I want the prayer team to come up. Uh, and I want you guys to stand with me here. And I believe today the Lord is asking of you, church, to lay your burdens down. That's an, old, that's an old phrase right there. To lay your burdens down before God. To lay your burdens down before God. And there's a fascinating paradox that's so found in Scripture where God is actually, He's calling us into His happy places and we're usually sad first because we have to lay a burden down. And so, listen, I'm going to ask you right here, right now, because it's your act of faith. It's your act of faith. I have mine. You have yours. We're together as a church. But if you have burdens you need to lay yourself down with, then your act of faith right now is to get out of your seat and join us right here, right now. You have burdens. doesn't matter where you're at in the walk. doesn't matter where you're at. you got to lay those things down. I want you to get out of your seat right now. Come forward. These beautiful people are going to pray for you. We're not even going to hear the whole story. We're just going to pray for you. God bless you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. A few more of you guys. You have burdens, and you need to lay them down. Right now, I want you to get out of your seat and come forward and get prayer. There you go, my brother. There you go. It takes faith and boldness. It does. It does. I'm so proud of you. A couple more. I know there's others out there, and I'm not going to let this go on. I'm going to, they, they tell me in kids' ministry that i got to let you guys go early today. But I know there's a few more people that are carrying stuff. And I used to resist altar calls like this. I used to resist this. I say, man, I don't want to be in church anymore and have pastor tell me that i got to come forward. I always feel like i got to come forward. you got to come forward, and you got to lay your burden down. Anybody else? Anybody else bold enough to come forward? Bold enough to come forward. Okay, church, stand with me, please. Stand with me. Oh, so great to be together again. We're going to stay here and pray for a little bit. It's going to be a beautiful rest of the day. And so I bless you now, my brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The very power of God, your Savior, to land upon you. To speak his eternal word and life inside you. 
to grab a hold of the totality of your life, that he would have all of you, that you would have all of him. I now bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.